0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Zechariah, the eighth chapter. We said there are four special messages, beginning with the seventh through the eighth, through the eighth chapter. And uh, the seventh chapter was a message of rebuke, and this one, beginning with chapter eight, verses one through eight, is a message of restoration. We said rebuke, restoration, and then we get to the ninth verse, through through nineteen is a message of remembrance. And then on down to the last part of the the chapter, verses 20 through 23, is a message of promise. All you have to do now is, uh, in chapter 8, verse 1, put restoration. That's verses 1 through 8. Put remembrance at verse 9. And then put uh, promise at verse 20. And you'll have the beginning of those messages. So we're studying a message of restoration. And let's begin to look at it. In verse one, it says again, the word of the Lord. So you can see it's a second message. He's already, or another message at least, because we've already had the first one in chapter seven that that took up the whole of the chapter. So when he says again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, you find the next message is marked by that word. And it re- reemphasizes each and every one of these messages that God gave him the message to bring. Because he says "Thus in verse 2, "...thus saith the Lord of hosts." And then before we get into the message, it just confirms the fact that it's God's Word that he's about to say. And over in 1 Peter, you remember, it says that holy men of God... Or 2 Peter ch- uh, chapter 1 says, "...holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost." In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, it speaks of the prophet speaking of the things of Christ that were to come. Not only his first coming, but second coming. So you have two references 1 Peter chapter 1, and then in 2 Peter chapter 1, where it says, Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, born along. And it's of divine inspiration because it says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but it says holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So it came not from man's will. And here, Zechariah is just emphasizing again it's not his word. That it's God's word. So let's look at what this message entails. Beginning with verse one, again the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord of Hosts came to, me, came to me, saying, "Thus saith the Lord of Hosts." And here's what he begins: I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous with uh, for her with great fury. The great fury was against her oppressors. He was jealous for Zion, for his people, for Israel, in this instance, with great fury. And then in verse 3, he says, Thus saith the Lord. He continues with the message. It's not a new message, but a reemphasizing of the fact that uh, it's a continuous of this message. Thus saith the Lord, I am returning to Zion. Now, we said it's a message of restoration, didn't we? I'm returning to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Now, when you think of this, this time, of course, uh, would be when God returns finally, that there would be a complete return. So in this sense, it's future. We know there was a return from Babylon and a return into Jerusalem. And there was a return uh, then. But we're going to find that in the context that there's no permanent return, such as Zechariah speaks of, and we'll point that out as we go along. Because we'll see some things that are necessary to make that kind of return possible. And there will be a time that Jerusalem will no longer be trodden down by the Gentiles. If you look in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, Luke 21, verse 24, when Jesus is speaking of the future blessings of his people, and it says in verse 24, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all all nations. We know that this is a future time because Jesus is speaking about it. And Babylon captivity was already over and they were returned and they didn't find the permanency that they will find after this word of Jesus is fulfilled. So you have Luke twenty-one, twenty-four. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So it's a future time until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The nations are still treading down. And the end is only known by the Lord. And these things will happen during the great tribulation. He goes on to say, "There shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and stars, and upon the earth, the distress of nations with perplexity." They're beginning to happen. They're uh, not to the extent that they will be in the Book of uh, Revelation, but at least we know them to be true. And it says, "In uh, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear." and for looking after those things which are coming upon, uh, coming on the earth, for the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then, after it's over, and after all this tribulation, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when all these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. We know that Jesus was speaking of future time. And we won't go into expounding that a prophecy of, of Jesus in connection with the great tribulation period, but we'll see that He's really speaking of His coming in power and great glory, which is in Revelation chapter 19, at the end of all these times of distress and, and tribulation. We know we're already seeing a part of it, but not to the extent that it will be escalated during uh, the tribulation and ter- during the time of, of, uh, that we read of there. But back in our text there, holds your place in Zechariah chapter 8. It says, Thus saith the Lord, I am return, Verse 3, Return unto Zion, will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jer- Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. Here's a new name given to Jerusalem. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the, the holy mountain. Think of that for a moment. This new name, so to speak, it will be called a city of truth. What had she be call- been called before? In Lamentations one, verse eight and verse seventeen, she was called an unclean woman. In Isaiah chapter one, verse twenty-one, uh, a murderer. Isaiah one, verse twenty-one. Look back, Isaiah chapter one, in verse twenty-one. Notice what it says here. How is the faithful city becoming a harlot? It was full of judgment righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Murderers. So she's been called an unfaithful woman, an unclean woman. She's been called a murderer. And so how different a title now holds your place in Zechariah. How different a title is given here. She is called what? A city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts and the holy mountain. He means the government, a holy government. I'll give you some references for that. Uh, look at Isaiah 65, verse 20 through 22. Isaiah 65, 65, and verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die an hundred years old, but the sinner being an hundred years old shall uh, be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat of the fruit of them. They shall not build, and another inhabit. They shall not plant, and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people and mine elect, shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And thus shall be the serpents' meat; they shall not hurt nor destroy. And all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. If you look at the context in Zechariah again, we'll see that these very things are being brought out, because this is the peace that will be enjoyed. Look at uh, Zechariah eight, verse uh, four. It says, "What? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet." Old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. And every man with his staff in his hand for very age. They'll just grow old and peaceful and they'll dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. Now look at this next verse. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Well, they don't play in the streets thereof today, do they? It's dangerous for everyone involved. And you know why they don't? Because this time has not yet come. And we're speaking of future time when there will be millennial blessings that will be enjoyed. And all these things that Zechariah speaks of will be absolutely true. Instead of a place of of playing and safety and peace and joy, it's a place of disturbance and turmoil and danger. Well, they hardly go to the market anymore. Or to a store without a chance of being bombed. Or ride on the the bus or... uh, In an automobile or or however, whatever kind of transportation they may have available. It's dangerous. And when this time comes, won't that be a time we need to be at peace. But on the other hand, look at this condition. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. That will be a glorious time. When we think of the government itself, the holy mountain in verse 3 represents A uh, holy government. A government where there will be peace and joy and prosperity. We're talking about the peace of Jerusalem in verses 4 and 5. Let me give you some verses. Look in the book of uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 23. And we're talking about the mountain. Jeremiah 31, verse 23. Notice what it says here. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah and in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity. The Lord bless thee, O inhabitant of justice, and mountain of holiness. Mountain of holiness. Uh, look again in Isaiah chapter 2. Well, let's see where it is. Well, let, let's, let's look in Psalm 48, verse 1. It would be a good one. We don't have time to turn to all of them. Psalm 48, verse 1. Psalm 48, verse 1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Mountain of His holiness where there's a holy government. That's Psalm 48, verse 1. We're talking about a government that's holy. And a time in the land when there will be peace and joy and prosperity. And we find that as we look at references in Scriptures, we find that that time has not yet come. There are other references we could give. Did we give you Isaiah 65, verse 20 through 22? We did already, didn't we? Yes. It was talking about the old men in the time of peace and prosperity. All right, let's look at this again now. Let's read verse 4. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand, for very age. That means for the multitude of their days. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, if this is a blessing, then he says this, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes? Certainly it will be, saith the Lord of hosts. If it's marvelous in the eyes of the people, the remnant, certainly it will be marvelous in the eyes of the Lord. He'll be thankful that that time has come for them too. You see, God loves peace and He loves us to be at peace. And there will be a time that this will be a blessing to God's eyes to see as well as the ones who enjoy it. Notice, the word marvelous is used twice. If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes? He asks the question, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, we know the answer. The answer is certainly it will be. Verse 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. Before we read the next verse, let's think of it. The east and the west. In the previous verses we read earlier in this book of Zechariah, he was saving them from the north and from the south, wasn't he? From Babylon and Russia, from Egypt. And you could include all the countries gathered in those in the north and the south, but he would save them from the north and the south. And then he says, "From the east, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country." The east signifies the rising of the sun. That would include what uh, China and Japan and India and other countries that were that are round about is split up so much now, coming toward Iraq in this dire- in that direction from the east, that we'll find all those east countries. He'll save them from them. And then from the west, it would be the European nations and possibly even America he's talking about, western nations and others that would be involved. So he's going to save them from every direction, the north and the south and the east and the west. And he will regather his people in peace. And verse eight says, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And they shall when it says they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, that means they will have a permanent dwelling there. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. And this speaks of permanency. If you want a reference, look at Amos there's a multitude of references, but look at Amos nine, verse fourteen and fifteen, when we taught the book of Amos, chapter nine, verse fourteen and fifteen. And notice what it says. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof, and they shall also make gardens and eat of the fruit of them. Now look, verse 15. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Now, we know that wasn't a return from Babylonian captivity because they've been pulled out time and time again. And we know that in the book of Acts, uh, Paul takes this same Scripture and applies it to the future. In fact, not Paul himself, but let's get the whole story. There's several several, uh, ones that discuss what is taking place and what will take place concerning the conversion of the Gentiles. But you remember in that first church council in Acts chapter 15 that was brought before uh, the people about the conversion of the Gentiles or the apostles and elders. You remember when we studied this? Uh, this is a whole section. and If I get into it, I'll have to finish. But it says uh, about Paul and Barnabas in verse 3, Acts 15, verse 3, they'd uh, come up to the apostles and the elders about the question of the Gentiles having to keep the law and be circumcised and keep the right of circumcision that was established. But verse 3 says, And being brought on their way by the church, this is Paul and Barnabas, they passed through Phoenicia Phen- and Samaria, uh, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, Phineas, rather, and Samaria. Uh, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and that, to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for... To consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And he's referring to the house of Cornelius when uh, Peter opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did in us, that was the house of Cornelius. And put no difference between us and them, between us the Jews, and them, the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He's speaking of the, the law and, and uh, trying to make the Gentiles live up to the, the uh, right of circumcision as well. That was their main uh, object. But in verse 11 he says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. And what's he saying? We believe that we shall be saved. We Jews shall be saved even as the Gentiles. So he's saying if there's any question about anyone's salvation and about the law, it has to do with us, not not the Gentiles. He's saying we believe that we can be saved by faith too instead of by the law. So the question wasn't the Gentiles' salvation by faith. The question was, the Jews' uh, salvation by faith. But he said, We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. They were saved. Gentile world saved by grace through faith. And they said, We are going to be saved. But get back to the point of Zechariah now. Let's follow it on now. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, See, Paul and Barnabas, they give their report. Uh, James answered, saying... Now listen to this thing of James. Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how that God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out out of them a people for his name. He refers back to, to Peter's testimony at the house of Cornelius. Now look what it says. And to this agree the words of the prophets... As it is written, after this, I will return. After what? The salvation of the Gentiles. After this, what does it say? I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. This is all future. The Gentiles are the present age. and This is the future. That the residue of men might seek the Lord, seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom My name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth the, all these things. After this, now turn back to Amos again. After this, I will return. Amos chapter nine, verse eleven. Drop back a little before what we read. In that day, in what day? That James tells us about is prophesied here in. Amos 9, verse 11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. You see what Amos says about it? And close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. After what? After this. That's what James said. He said that after the prophecies of... This building again of the tabernacle of David that's fallen down. He says, "Then's when it's going to be the time that they will be permanently restored to the land and they shall no more. Verse 15, I will plant them upon their land. They shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord our God. So it's a future time. It's future as far as... Uh, the report of James was concerned because he was saying that Peter's now taking out and opened the door of faith to the Gentiles in the book of Acts and taking out in this uh, dispensation of, uh, of the Gentiles a people for his name. But he says, after this, after the conversion of the Gentiles during this day and age of grace, will I return? And then he says, I'll build again the tabernacle of David that's fallen down. So we see it's all future. It's even future to this time. The still future. Back in Zechariah chapter 8, when it says in verse uh, 8, And I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. That means the permanency. Permanently. And they shall be My people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. And when you get to the next verse, it talks about a message of remembrance. Starting with verse 9. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, that... Ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets. See, they had failed to hear the prophets in days gone by, but he says, here in these days, if people were to hear their present prophets, they had failed to hear the previous prophets. We've already discussed that earlier. They wouldn't listen to the previous prophets. Look in chapter 7, verse 12. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of Hosts, uh, words which the Lord of Hosts has sent in His spirit by the former prophets. See the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of Hosts. So He says they wouldn't listen to the former prophets. But now in chapter eight, verse nine, He says, uh, "Ye that hear in these days the words of the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day." Uh, that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. In other words, it's present now that the, 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 uh, Zechariah wants them to hear. Just because their fathers didn't hear, didn't mean they were not to hear. Just because the past prophets had been neglected, didn't mean that they were to continue to live in that same kind of a set of mind. Just because others... Let's just give it a modern day application. Just because others in our day and age of grace if not... Heard God's Word. Doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to it. See, responsibility is upon the hearer when God's Word goes out. So it says in verse uh, uh, 10 then, For before these days there was no hire for man, he tells of the condition before these days, and here is a message of remembrance. They should remember that before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in, because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one against his neighbor, but now I will not be unto the residue of this people, as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. He's even speaking. If you want to go back historically to the time that they were, had returned now, he's going to deal with them differently. But it has a future prophecy as well. For he says in verse uh, 12, For the seed shall pro- be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heaven shall give their dew. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Instead of a curse, there will be a blessing. We know that to a measure, that was true after their deliverance. But to the full extent of what we see here in Zechariah, it's not completely true yet. Because they have not been that blessing that they will be in the future. And it says, uh, fear not, but let your hands be strong. Isn't it something, though, If you want to make this just a present application or thought, isn't it something that when everything is bad in our lives, that God can turn it around and make us a blessing, and then instead of weakness, there can be strength? I'm amazed at what God can do for us. And I know that you are at times in your life when you go through hardships and trials and and whatever you may be facing. And yet, on the other side, you know, uh, the psalmist said, uh, mourning, sorrow may endure for a night. But he says, joy cometh what? In the morning. So there's always a morning for us. There's always a sunlight through the... Every cloud has a what? Silver lining. And we don't understand it, why that we must find the bad and the terrible times, but God knows all about it. And he says uh, that there, there's affliction in verse 10 because of the affliction. But now I will do different. Verse 11, But now I will be unto you the residue of this people as the former day, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 12 says, For the seed shall prosper, the vine shall give her fruit, the ground shall give her increase. Verse 13, shall come to pass that as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. Fear not. We're not to fear any of these things. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, as, as I thought to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not, so again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. He had punished them in time past, but he said, Now I thought to do well. There will be blessings instead of cursings. There will be peace instead of judgment. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak every man the truth to his neighbor. What does God want? This is what he wants him to do. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of the truth. And peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath. For all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, remember they talked about these fasts, we had it in our last lesson, and the fast of the fifth month, and the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah, now notice, fast speaks of mourning and sorrow. Now look, and these fasts, he says, I want you to turn them around. "...shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feasts." He says, they're not going to be fast, they're going to be feasts. They're going to be joy. "...therefore love the truth and peace." So He tells them what to love instead of what to, to do under those circumstances. Now look at chapter 8, verses 20 through 23 now. Here's a message of promise. message of promise. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Let's stop there for a minute. I will go also. They'll be saying all around about nations, around about the land. I was glad, like the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, Let's go unto the house of the Lord. And that will come to pass in in these days. Let's go speedily. Look at that word. Speedily. That means to not only go speedily, but continually. And to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. So here's going to be conversion of nations and people round about. Because of the testimony, needless to say, the Jews are Judah and Israel. Because they'll be changed. They won't be what they are today. There'll be a great change that'll take place. But notice here in verse 23. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass, that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations. They'll come from everywhere because God will bless His people in that day to the extent that all nations will be converted, or there will be many nations that will be converted, or people of nations, I should say. There will be many people. It says, of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So there will be conversions of people because of the blessings that God will bestow upon them. And certainly that is a message of promise because it is not now. And it has not been in the past. It yet has to be in the future. And so many things have to take place. And Christ's coming will be the answer to all of it. And uh, we know that there will be no real peace in the world until the millennial peace comes. And after Revelation chapter 19, when Christ comes back in power and great glory, I'm not talking about the rapture which is to take place before that, Because that takes place in Revelation chapter 4. Taken up to heaven and all the redeemed around the throne of this day and age of grace are seen with the Lord. And the the wicked remain here upon this earth. And there will be a time after the tribulation period beginning with the 6th chapter of Revelation to the 19th chapter where Jesus comes back from heaven in power and great glory. And the battle of Armageddon takes place. And then the establishment in chapter 20 of Revelation, a rule of reign and rule and reign of peace and righteousness for a thousand years upon this earth. Can you imagine a thousand years of peace and prosperity? I mean, we're not talking about a hundred years. We're not talking about fifty years. I mean, if we see it in our our lifetimes where there's peace and prosperity ten years at a time, a decade, It's a wonder, isn't it? Because somewhere in the world, there's not that. But think of a thousand years of it. And that's only when the Prince of Peace comes and rules and reigns over this whole world and things won't be like they are. And in fact, the Bible says the wolf and the lamb shall lie down together. Look in Isaiah chapter 2. Let me read this for you. Let's try Isaiah 11. It It'll be better to get the passage there. Isaiah chapter 11. Notice what it says. And I won't read too much of it, but a part of it. Verse 4 will be the place we'll start. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. And faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Don't do it now, do they? The wolf eats the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fattening together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones. Shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. The Bible predicts these things. We've not yet seen them, so we know that these prophecies haven't been fulfilled. History hasn't reported them. You and I haven't seen them in our day and age or grandfathers and grandmothers haven't seen it. So we know, and the Bible teaches that it's future. Jesus taught it's future. But it will be a day of blessing. Alright, thank you for your patience and kind attention.